0: academy episode 15
1: i mean going back to the numbers you have to be profitable in order to be able to reinvest in your shop and create a nice environment i mean if you got a dirty floor that you know hasn't been refinished in 20 years makes a difference you know if you want to attract the best talent out there in the industry you have to have a shop that you know looks like a place i mean i'm going to come in here and i'm going to work here every day so you know if it's dirty and it's dark I mean, you just can't expect it. Um, it takes time to kind of, you know, get those changes in place. But, you know, updating our software regularly, that's a huge thing these days. I mean, I want to have access to resources to do my job.
0: Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Remarkable Results. Welcome, after marketers, to the matching audio podcast of the Town Hall Academy video on how to improve employee loyalty. This is Carm Capriato, your host. You know, each week we discuss a single topic with a panel of your peers and broadcast live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern on my webinar platform and on Facebook. You can learn all about connecting at this URL, remarkableresultsbiz town hall. See the show notes for this Town Hall Academy at remarkableresults.biz slash A015. There you'll find my guest's bios and the episode Talking Points. This repurposed podcast of the video form makes it easier for everyone that does not have time to sit in front of a video screen or to be on Facebook. That's the power of podcasting, the digital audio broadcast that's so portable and easy to find. You know, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn.com, and Podbean. Also, player.fm among others. It's always great when you subscribe to any of these services. And if you have my free iOS or Android app, you'll find the Academy episodes there also. Your colleagues bring these great insights in each episode. See, it is your peers who put on this tutoring and share their ideas, best practices, and passion on what works for them and where they've had their own successes and challenges. Mostly, we're here to spread wisdom and experience for the entire automotive aftermarket. Now, here's a cool idea. Schedule a lunch and learn with your team. Listen or watch the Academy episode together. Now, let me introduce my guests: Ryan Clow, owner of Dubworks in Cincinnati, Ohio, who also consults on systems and processes and teaches business management classes. Also, Dwayne Myers, partner in Dynamic Automotive, a four-location automotive group in Frederick County, Maryland. Dwayne was honored in 2017 as one of 17 world-class technicians from AutoCare and ASE. And Jude Larson. Jude is the president, owner, and lead consultant for JML Real Solutions. He is a frequent speaker and trainer at industry events. Jude is also a shop owner and has been a highly successful service advisor. Now, here we go with the Town Hall Academy, how to improve employee loyalty. Hey, welcome everyone on Facebook and to the Remarkable Results Radio Podcast Network. And of course, another Town Hall webinar. Uh, We do it every Friday at noon. Glad to have you all here. And uh, wow, what a great panel that I have. And we're here to discuss... How to Improve Employee Loyalty. Ryan, I'm going to give you the first question. Why is it important to have meaning in work? And I think the meaning ends up building loyal people, does it?
1: You know, being the person that does the human resources, you know, I interview a lot of people. And so I get to kind of hear, uh, you know, what they say about the other places that they work. Um, I mean, I think this is true across the board. People want meaning in their work. I mean, there's discussions on the, you know, Uh, Generation Y, um, and wanting to make an impact in the world, and it's not just about the money. I mean, I I don't think anybody would disagree that, you know, we're looking for some meaning. I think more in the automotive industry, traditionally, it hasn't really been discussed as much. I mean, historically, I mean, it was just guys that liked working on cars. Um, And if you love working with your hands, that's how I got started. I mean, that's a great... You know, fulfilling a need, and you know that may be enough for some people. Although my experience, you know, has shown that, eh, you know, these days a little bit more uh, people want to be part of something greater, part of something that's improving, doesn't seem static. Uh, I think the industry, you know, 20 years ago was a lot more static than it is now, and or at least there's the opportunity for change. So, if a person has the the choice of, you know, working for a company that's I don't want to say old school, but maybe more static or a more modern company. It's with the times. It's, it's inviting in technology. Uh, and It seems to be changing. That's part of the meaning, you know.
0: You know, meaning in work, can you wrap that around vision? Can you wrap that around being a good leader? Can you wrap that around the why?
1: Yeah, I, I think the why um, is definitely really, really important. Anyone out there who's, who's read Simon Sinek or listened to his, you know, his podcast or his, his material, um, you know, starting with why. Why are we here? You know, I think there's a lot of different answers. I mean, a couple that come to mind, you know, we want to make a difference in our community. This is a necessary service or uh, the trust is pretty low right now. And it has been for a long time. 50 percent, 60 percent of people don't trust. We want to we want to help change the industry. That's certainly part of, I think, my current vision for for my shops is to help kind of change our image. We're here because we like working with our hands and uh, we like cars. I mean, that's a culture I think you're going to find probably in a lot of shops. Hey, man, we're here because we love cars. Um, so we love cars. Uh, we like our community. You know, we want to be part of something you know new and changing this dynamic. I think kind of wrapping that into a vision uh, is important, too. So those are just kind of a couple things that come to mind.
0: Thank you very much, Jude. Include them in what's going on. What are the steps that a leader of, of a business needs to take to get that full engagement?
2: They don't want to feel like an outsider looking in. And that can happen really easily. Uh, with, with employees and, and and you know business owners don't necessarily mean to do it. they're just kind of moving ahead, you know because a lot of business owners are have a more driver type personality or even a bit analytical, and so they don't necessarily think about the emotional side of employees and that sort of thing. I mean, you're not going to necessarily just open up you know your QuickBooks to them and say, "Hey, take a look and tell them what you think, but at the same time, they need to know, what is the purpose? What are we What are we doing? What is the business doing? Because most employees just assume that all businesses are making tons of money all the time and, uh, you know, the bosses are just kind of taking advantage of them or that kind of thing. You know, they can get that kind of a mindset. So if you show them, you know, a, a view or a vision of what the business needs to do financially and then, of course, what that would mean to them if the business and when the business does that financially – um, you can get a lot of benefit out of
0: that. So you sh- are you sharing numbers every uh, day or every week? Yeah, in my
2: business, we share numbers every day. We look at numbers every single day. Um, and, and we do the same thing in, in many of my clients. They, they will actually report what happened yesterday and do an overall, you know, where we are month to date, where we are for the week, where we are for the day, so that they have a really clear idea of what we've done and what we still need to do to where we're going to go.
0: So the numbers, here's a number. And we did X yesterday. Is there a KPI or is there a measurement that the team knows where they need to be? And then if they're not there, is there something the team knows on how to overcome or how to fix?
2: Oh, absolutely. We use a lot of, we do projecting because if if you know by day one, two, or three of the month, you can already project out what your month is looking like depending on what's happening. And if they know that at the beginning of the month is something you can do about it. If you're the last two or three days of the month, it's a bit too late to try to you know correct if we've gone down a, a wrong path. So, yeah, so they're going to look at, you know, a, a lot of the the KPIs and they know the numbers. We we go over them daily. They know what they're looking for. They know, you know, uh, billable hours is one of the things that we're going to look at every single day and know what did we do today? You know, what what was what was our potential to do? What did we actually do? Um, and what can we do tomorrow? And, you know, and that's how we plan as we book in all of this stuff, how you're going to know what needs to get done, what's, what can close, what's going to close and you plan out your day. You know, it's almost like a, uh, that old, eighties uh, or eighties, Tetris game, you know, where you're trying to put little pieces of the puzzle as they're moving into place. It kind of reminds me of that because we're constantly working at, you know, fitting as much in as we can, wherever we can to get as much done as we can to help as many you know customers as we can. And, and uh, keep it all moving.
0: Dwayne, do your people know what success means to the business as far as, and it go, let me go tag on to what you just said about numbers. Do they know that if today we did you know $5,000, that was a successful day? Do, do they understand that?
3: Yes, they do. They, they uh, Everyone has the opportunity to see at least point-of-sale numbers. Uh, the management team uh, for each of the stores has the ability for the accounting numbers uh, and, and the KPIs and the benchmarks. And and not only to make a, a certain dollar value, making it the right way, you know, with the right margins and all, because you can definitely work hard and make no money. You know, they've learned since we've opened up the books that working hard doesn't equal money. Uh, working hard doesn't mean you worked hard. Uh, you need to work smart. And by uh, giving them that access, they're able to, work intelligently, and, and then they know when we are making money. And once we make money, they know we have more options, we have more growth, uh, we, we can do more in the business for everyone. Got it.
0: Thank you so much. Now, I know, Duane, you're really big on employee development and education. Can you give us a synopsis as to why that is so important to improve loyalty?
3: The more you develop your people, the, the, more, you, the more benefit that goes to the business. Uh, by, by, by showing that you care uh, in turn, they're, they're going to care about the customers more. You know, my focus is on, on my people. And I know if I take care of them, you know, we educate them, we train them, we teach them more. We, we t- uh, teach them the different ways of doing business to where we're more successful. Uh, they in turn take it and then they, they add their own uh, knowledge into it. It's amazing. You know, I only have so many ideas, but when you put a group of people around you and empower them, it's amazing where your business can go and you're like wow i just didn't that was right off my radar and it seems so simple but it just took somebody else mentioning it to you so if you open up you, you get those opportunities to learn too
0: one of my favorite is quotes is none of us is as smart as all of us god do i love that quote none of us is as smart as all of us so ryan talk to me about creating the right the right work environment that improves loyalty
1: you know, it might be easier to say, like, I visit a lot of shops and it kind of helps paint a picture of kind of what's out there. I mean, obviously, the environment includes the physical environment, includes the people. I'll talk briefly about the physical environment. The workspaces, I think, that's where I see kind of the biggest um, issues in the shop. You know, they're not well lit. You know, there's not enough space to put, you know, your materials and your tools on. Not enough windows, you know, insight to the outer world. Um, and even like the front of the house, um, you know, it might be really old furniture, um, outdated stuff. I think, um, I've talked a few times about the design and I think, you know, people want to work at a forward thinking kind of progressive shop. And part of that is the look and feel, you know, of the shops. So, you know, what do our uniforms look like? You know, do we have artwork on the wall or is it a bunch of advertisements, you know, from, from a part store or something like that? So, you know and a work environment you know also includes you know the people i think the people that we hire uh is a critical part of that so uh, being really really selective about who we hire trying to find people who are kind of on the same page and share our same values like i mentioned before some people have you know a love for cars so if that's something and i've seen people from both sides of the fence i've seen people that say i'm an automotive professional and I don't really, you know, my car is just a car. I just, I like people or I like, you know, the culture of this company versus other shops are very, like, we all like hot rods and...
0: But that's good. Whatever culture you have, you ultimately find the right people that fit in it. it, it that's one of the keys, the team dynamics. Yes? Yes.
1: Absolutely. So, but it all contributes to an environment. You know, what does the environment look like? Um, I mean, you have to be. I mean, going back to the numbers, you have to be profitable in order to be able to reinvest in your shop and create a nice environment. I mean, if you got a dirty floor that you know hasn't been refinished in 20 years, makes a difference. You know, if you want to attract the best talent out there in the industry, you have to have a shop that you know looks like a place. I mean, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to work here every day. So, you know, if it's dirty and it's dark. I mean, you just can't expect it. Um, it takes time to kind of, you know, get those changes in place. But, I mean, updating our software regularly, that's a huge thing these days. I mean, I want to have access to resources to do my job. Um, another issue would be, you know, not having the latest tools and equipment um, or working on. And I've been in shops where they're using a Unix based, you know, the old black and green screen. I mean, you know, stuff like that where, you know, I come in, it needs to look a certain way. I got to have resources and I want to have people who are kind of kind of on the same wavelength.
0: Thank you for that. Let me share with everyone here. You don't know this is coming at you. Uh, you know, obviously we, we take talking points for my guests and we, we try to stay into that format because that's what they're passionate about. But every once in a while, I like to come up with something that you guys aren't prepared for. OK. okay. <laughs> friend of mine, Tom Ham. he actually is a shop owner, been on the show before, and he leads and, and runs the Automotive Management Network. And he put out a survey recently, and the survey was about what do employees really want. And here was the number one result, appreciation for a job well done. Number two was, and you just said this, Ryan, correct equipment and tools. Number three was enough work. That's interesting, Right. And so you got to be a good CEO and a good marketer and you got to have good customer retention. And then the fourth one was a fair pay system. So Dwayne appreciation. You guys are big at that, aren't you?
3: Absolutely. We have a thing we call the power of gratitude that our, our business coach got us started. And, you know, we always for years focused on the customer, you know, take care of the customer, take care of the customer. Uh, of course that's important, but, uh, now we're also doing that with our team. Take care of your team members. I think the, the saying is, is how, <coughs> how your employees feel is how your customers feel. So when, when they're engaged, when, when they're happy, when they're challenged, they're, they're excited about their work. And that will relate into the customers. So, yes, it's great to take care of the customers. You know, we need to do that. But really, if, if you take care of the team, they're going to do that for you.
0: You had mentioned, Ryan, I think it was you, uh, Simon Sinek, Start With Why, the book. By the way, I'm reading it right now. Don't ask me why it's taken me this long. But here's a great quote from the book. Customers will never love your company until the employees love it first. First.
1: What he said about like, you know, or the traditional has always been customer first. Um, and, you know, there's always a lot of talk about numbers. And I have found uh, through my own experience that sometimes when you get talking about the numbers, you could talk about the customers. Really, all three are important. Uh, at the Institute, we talk about the three-legged stool. We've got you know, the customers and the staff and the business and all of them are important. But in a way, the staff you know it has to be a priority i would put the staff above the customers not to be insensitive but a customer is a little easier to replace than a staff member so i um, mean obviously customers are important i'm not saying they're not uh, but I, I would agree with simon that if you if the staff comes first you know that will make its way out to the customers
0: this is an open question for everyone why is this a difficult thing today
1: traditionally, a lot of industries, not just the
2: automotive, have a kind of a backwards thinking. And they're thinking that what's making them alive or survive is the customer. And there's been a lot of even sales training for several <laughs> decades that talks to that, that says, you know, you've got to, you know, the customer, the customer, the customer, that's where, you know, they write our paycheck, they blah, blah, blah. And when you do that, you kind of, it's like you're, you're uh, leapfrogging over your employees, who the whole point of you having them was so that they could take care of the customers in an extraordinary way, and then everybody wins. So when you just focus on the customer and you don't focus on the employee, you can miss the employee and only hit the customer. But if you focus on the employee, you're never going to miss the customer. You're always going to hit the customer if you focus on the employee because that's what they're there for. That's why you brought them on.
0: Okay, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting emails, I'm subscribing to authors, and, and I, and I want to be a great leader. And I continue to see all these great quotes from these wonderful authors and leaders. And, and I've just got a bunch of them here. Uh, from Jim Goodnight, treat employees like they make a difference and they will. It's so hard, it seems, to pull the trigger and to say that that's going to be my co- company culture. Any of you experience that culture shift? And, and was it easy or hard to do?
2: I'll jump in since I'm sort of new to the the shop owner part of all this, but I've worked with, you know, lots of different company cultures over the years. But you know, we're definitely in that transition right now, raising up leaders. I mean, my my team here right now is two rookie techs, and and by the way, rookie doesn't mean it's a bad thing. You you still got drafted into the NFL, right? Even if you're a rookie, so it, that, you're still a superstar. It's just you're a superstar in training. So. Two rookie techs, one veteran tech, and two rookie advisors. And with that team, you know, we had a record-breaking month uh, the first month out of the gate. So, you know, we have a lot of, of, of green material to work with, and... You know, you can have some of that traditional thing where, you know, uh, you know, there's the razzing of the, the new employee or the new technician, that kind of thing. And and we just we don't tolerate that, you know, so you've got to get in there and and work with each person individually, work with them as a team. Um, right now, we're actually going over the book together on our you know Friday lunches. We're going over the book um, Extreme Ownership. You you find stuff like that to help shift that culture to where everybody speaks the same language. They're they're all heading in the same direction. They know how to communicate with each other. That has a lot to do with you know training on different personalities because they'll come in and think, wow, this person's really gruff or they're really this or they're really that. And it's like, well, your personality is this, their personality is that. You know, what if you meet in the middle? You know, there's a lot of different programs you can use to go through that kind of a process and to shift. That culture to a place where it's um, it's a really good thing. And once you get it there, it's incredibly powerful. I mean, it just it just takes on a life of its own, and it'll just keep going in a positive direction as long as you feed it right, you know, indefinitely.
0: Dwayne, share with us that culture that you guys have built there, and 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 why it's just so important to the
1: customer.
3: We were, I don't I don't want to say forced into to readdressing how we treat our people, but as we grew, you know, there was three partners, but as we grew, you know, when we, when we built and opened our third store, it was a very large store. It, it almost tripled our, our amount of our employees. Um, we tried it first to where we, you know, each owner was at a location, but as we got bigger, sales got more, there was more of a disconnect between the, the, the feeling of the community-based shop to just a business-based shop. So we had to change our culture and how we treated our people. And by putting more emphasis on them and training them and empowering them, they started to take ownership. So that, that feeling of a community shop came back. And we feel that we we need that to keep growing because we want to grow. We want more stores, but we want to still stay who we are. We want to stay that community shop where when you walk into the grocery store, you know, you see people, you know, you see customers, you want to go talk to them. You, you don't want to hide because, you know, they had a bad experience at your store because it was all business. We don't want it all business. We want it personal. We want that relationship. And we couldn't do that with when it was just a, an employee mentality. It had to be more of a team atmosphere where they were working together.
0: Thank you. Ryan, take me to the day that you were working on your employee first strategy, if you will, to, to, to make that this biggest part of your culture. And it clicked and you And you saw it blossom
1: I would kind of um lean back toward the human resources side of it. I think one of the one of the key roles that an owner or the hiring agent takes is choosing the team, and uh, I like what Jude said about you know rookie doesn't need need to be someone who's any less of the team like I would take a rookie any day with the right attitude and the right personality that's hard to, It's hard to change that it really is so I think I've been really fortunate to to have gotten some really, really great people that we were able to, to kind of work with. Uh, But I think when you have people with the right personality um, and there's no, there's no other opportunity other than like day one to get people on, like one of the challenges, and I'm sure you guys have seen it too, when the shop grows and changes, not everybody wants to go along with that change and that's tough. And we've, we've had some people, we've tried to make it work and, most of the time it does, but sometimes they need to move on, and that's a good thing. It really is. If the shop changed and it's not what you signed up for anymore, that's fair. Let's let's get you at a place where you want to be, and let's get somebody else in here that kind of wants to be part, you know, of what we're doing. Um, so, so yeah, the, the people is huge, and I think um, a turning point since Jazz would be when we first started having shop meetings, I think I heard Dwayne say on Friday, you know, we were reading a book or something. Uh, we meet Monday at lunch. Everybody's welcome. It's not mandatory, but most people end up coming. And we talk about the week before and the performance. And yeah, we bring up the numbers, but I try to ask first, how did last week feel? How was it for you guys? I try to make that the first question. How was last week? How did you guys, you know, how'd you guys do? Um, and if they're feeling great, you know, chances are everything else went well. And Yeah, those weeks where, you know, The numbers were good, but man, it was really stressful. So we talk about how we can change that. So so I think empowerment is probably another, um, you know, concept that kind of comes into play to make people feel, you know, part of the team. Are they empowered? Do they have the resources to do their job? Are they empowered to take action? Um, Do we feel more like, we call it the crew, you know, where... King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table. Ideally, it's a it's a team and and less of a hierarchy. I mean, does there need to be a chain of command? Yes. Uh, Certain people have to have ultimate responsibility, but ideally speaking, you know, we come in, everybody has a say in it, and they feel empowered. um, And we always give you know appreciation. Hey, really great job last week on that on that difficult car or or that sale you made that was that was great. So yeah, we try to focus on the appreciation and, and give everybody a voice.
0: Jude, how important is that extended family dynamic?
2: It's it's huge. It's what it's all about. Um, we actually went uh, last Friday night and had the whole crew over at my business partner's house for the evening and spent the evening around a bonfire and, you know, Uh, grilling brats and and talking and you know just having a great time and we were celebrating you know our our first month as a as this new organization out of the gate and and just crushing it you know because you've got you've got to have those moments to build and it was great because one of the the newer guys actually we i i I brought my projector we we put a a movie up on the garage door and had a big you know huge uh, movie after we had you know done some other stuff and one of them it, it really blessed me he stayed the whole time he's the newest guy And he stayed till it was like after midnight that we're, you know, watching the finish and watching this movie together and stuff. And it was just great to be able to kind of bring that family atmosphere together. One other thing that I thought of actually didn't put on my, my list, but I thought of that is related to family is disciplining. I have teenagers and so I know I've experienced some disciplining stuff in my life. It's a really big deal. When you have an employee, especially when you 're dealing with um, a lot of rookies on the team at the same time, when somebody makes a significant blunder and it's going to happen i mean we all even veteran people make significant blunders from time to time, and so what do you do with that you know if you go if you go sideways on them and you, you know because you're you're looking at the bottom line you're realizing what that impact's going to be and and you you know freak out on them or whatever that is um super anti-conducive to what we're trying to do and it can take a significant amount of time to recover from that you know and the same thing would be with your own family you know speaking of you know family you're asking about Carm, you have to you know bring them in you obviously you can't just let it go it has to be addressed properly but then what do you do with that and if you handle it in the right way um, i mean you want to talk about loyalty because you know there's times when somebody makes a big enough mistake or they've made um enough of them per se that they're thinking this is it. I'm gone. You know, there's no way I'm going to recover from this one. And and if you're in the right position and they're the right person and it, you know, makes sense and and you can meet that with some grace of you know, yeah, that was a that was a big mistake and um we're going to work with you. We're going to we're going to use it as a learning experience. Um you know, and for me, when something goes wrong, I see that as an opportunity. That's like a check engine light coming on. It's telling me that one of my systems isn't working right. Uh,
0: It could be the the greatest single piece of learning uh, curve that anyone ever had because you gave someone a second shot.
2: Yeah, and And they won't forget it. They won't forget it.
0: That's absolutely building loyalty. Uh, Dwayne, you have some opinions on making mistakes. How how do you handle them?
3: Uh, Actually, I I look at a mistake as an opportunity to learn. I, I really only have one rule, you know, accept ownership of the mistake you made. If you've done that, then we can do, we can learn from it, and then it's worthwhile. You know, if you've cost ten bucks, hundred dollars, $1, thousand dollars, as long as you accept that responsibility, and we're able to do something with it and learn and grow together, that, then I then I can write it off as education. Uh, I'm willing it's to put investment. that right, right, exactly. Put it right on on there, and I know. Uh, you know, just like Jude said' they 're going to remember that, and they 're going to learn and the biggest thing is if if you 're too hard on people for making a mistake they 're not going to try uh, they 're right. not going to make a choice you know that 's the biggest thing I always tell people, and something that was taught to me very young, make a choice if you don 't make any choice you 're wrong hundred percent of the time <laughs> if you make a choice, you have a chance to be right and and you know really, I just tell them you know have a reason for making it you know and if you 're on way out in outer field. You know fine we'll talk about it and we'll learn but I know you did it for a reason and and, uh, so I'm they're expected I expect everyone to make mistakes and then uh, the general culture is you know just accept the fact you made it and then from there we're all gonna learn something
0: you guys are just meshing so well together the right compensation guys how important is that for loyalty I'm not
2: sure how much of this to say because I know this is like public and everything, but let's just say there was a shop owner and he frequently said to his employees, you need to work because I need to be at the beach. (laughs) That's not the best motivational tool you can have. In fact, you might even build some resentment there. So they need to know that not only are they an integral part of what they do and what they're doing is important and vital to the company. They need to know that the harder they work, they're going to be compensated for that. So, you know, I don't necessarily like a pay plan that is only, you know, commission-based or whatever you want to call it um, because I like to have a little bit of a, some safety there for them too so they feel secure that that's why as an employer am providing you is a, that's why you would go work for somebody because you don't have to worry about, you know, finding your next paycheck like an like a, a, a entrepreneur does, right? But at the same time, I want them to know that if you put in... You know, not just the time, but the smarts behind the time, you know, working smarter, not harder, as we say so often, that you're going to be compensated for that. That if if you come up with an idea, you come up with a, a way to do things better and it affects your impact and you can produce more and the company makes more then you are definitely going to make more because of that. And that gets them thinking in the right way and focusing on how can I better serve the customer? How can I better, you know, uh, evolve the systems in our business and all of that stuff so that we can do more?
0: Got it. Thank you so much. As a consultant, Ryan, and and you're out there seeing shops and talking to them without sharing any major secrets, what would be a plan, a a compensation plan to help build loyalty?
1: Well, I think Jude touched on it. And what he described is what I would call um, performance plus commission. And uh, that's what we do in most of our shops and my shop as well. Like he said, I mean, people want a base uh, in the case that you're slow, which I mean marketing I think ultimately falls, you know, on the owner or the management of the shop to keep that busy. And that's interesting that you said third or fourth down the list, people want enough work to do. So um and appreciation. So yeah, appreciation comes in a lot of ways. I mean, I think they, there needs to be, you know, verbal mm-hmm. appreciation and and, and noted and, and I've had a lot of people say that the money doesn't matter, and I believe that. And even if it matters nothing, it still is a representation. Like nobody wants to be a top performer and Not get the top performing money, even if they're, even if they're like living way under their means. I think it was Steve Jobs, um, you know, that went back to work for Apple, like, and then there was some disagreement with what he was paid. He's like, hey, I'm doing a really great job, you know, like I deserve to be making you know, X, Y, or Z. And even though he didn't need any money at all, it was still kind of. I think I got that story right, but um, so yeah, I mean, you know, a sense of appreciation. I'm coming in here. I'm doing, you know, what it is that I enjoy. I want to be appreciated. But yeah, the compensation. Um, and, and I do think that our industry is a little bit low on the compensation. I mean, I think in Cincinnati, in the Midwest, the average technician salary is barely $40,000. Um, you know, so for the kind of work that we're doing, you know, where you have to be very physically strong, like a lot of other jobs, but also you have to be on top of it mentally with all the technology, it's just not enough. So I think that the shops who are going to be on the leading edge, um, the compensations, you know, it's got to be a lot more than that. And, we need to charge, we need to charge. And that's why we go back and we focus on the numbers. And some people don't understand, like, why are we talking about the numbers all the time? Because, like, as all you business owners know, like, there's a million places that all those dollars go. So you got to kind of track it.
0: Obviously, if you're making a great, strong double-digit net profit, that gives you the strength to pay the technicians. That increases loyalty. It's a sustainable competitive advantage if you can have stability in the team. And they're so committed to their continuous education and, improve, you know, buying their own tools or, or, or working with you on that weekly basis, on your strategic plan, on, on everything you do, on and your focus on the customer, your focus on quality of work. What's, what's wrong with that picture? And I know we may be going off on a slight tangent, but it still has to do with, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you have the right pay program, you, have, you build loyalty, is there pushback when you try to design and lay up these plans?
2: Sometimes, um, if they don't fully understand it, obviously, they'll, they'll go, huh? or if they think it's unrealistic, you know, a lot of times as a consultant, and, and even right now as a, as a new shop owner, you know, we're, there's transition going on. And so, um, you know, I'm thinking of one client I've been working with now for uh, almost two years, and we were doing a lot of transition in their business, and we still are. And so we had um, bonus programs put together that we were ready to launch to everyone. And unfortunately uh, there was a, a a bit of a tragedy that happened inside the business and that shifted things significantly. And so we had to on the fly, like quickly come up with another program so that we could restructure things. And then we're we're just now getting on the other side of that to where we'll be able to implement um, these programs together. So, you can certainly get pushback um, from individuals um, from a situation. I mean, the business can, alone can give you pushback, even as its own entity. Um, but definitely, you can get pushback from employees, and usually, though, that's because they don't understand it. They don't see that it can actually realistically happen. Because sometimes your you know your goal is to stretch them, like you know they're doing they're doing this, but you know they could be doing this. So what's it going to take to get them there? And this is the motivational thing. So there, a little bit of them might go, well, "Wait a minute, I can't see that right now." Especially if you're, you know, a big thinker or visionary person, you know, like I've been accused of being. Um, you, you have these big, you know, things, and they're you're kind of spooking them. They're like, "Hey, man, I just, I'm just fixing cars. What are you talking about? That's crazy talk, you know." And it's like, "No, no, that's where we're going. That's where we're going." So you have, you know, so if you go too much too fast, it and then that that even can happen when you're consulting with somebody. Sometimes when I go in. And you're looking at, you know, what a business can do potentially and you show them the full potential and they're like way over here somewhere, it freaks them out. They're like, what are you talking about? That's not even on planet earth, you know? Um, so you can get pushed back, you know, from that regard too, when you're trying to go to an owner and say, hey, there's a lot more money you could be making doing this and all of your staff and, you know, everybody involved.
0: Compensation and plans, Dwayne, what do you got going there without getting specific for us? You you in that?
3: Well, actually, I believe what... About- Both Ryan and Jude were saying, you know, you you need to pay good money for good talent. There's no doubt. But I also believe uh, that there's small things you can do on top of that that really make the difference, that make it special. You know, um, Carmen, you know, we go all over for training and we we rotate around the company. We have 30 some people, so we can't take everybody everywhere. So we, we do it in rotation over the years. And a lot of times we try to take one of the owners or a manager, if we can, and we'll go like when we go, you know, we're going to Auto Mechanica in a couple of weeks. Hopefully we will find something to do with them. Uh, last year we were at Ratchet and Rents and I, um, me and uh, my service manager went and had one of the best steaks you could have in Chicago. Um, that that little things like that, you know, when we went to Vegas, we, we've we taken them out to to see concerts, you know, to go to Hoover Dam little things that, yes, it doesn't always cost a lot, but when you're spending your time and you're making memories.
0: I met four of your techs at Vision this year.
3: Yeah, and I no owners that time. It was just four of them, but uh, they they love Vision. They fight over that place.
0: And, and oh, by the way, I could be had for a good steak. I just want you all to know that. <laughs> okay, um, mentoring. There's nothing like having somebody care about me and you know give me a, an outlet to go to if I need help. Is mentoring important for employee loyalty?
1: I don't think anybody would disagree with that one. Uh, You know, I think I was very fortunate along the way. I had a lot of people that I would consider mentors. I was never afraid to ask questions. Uh, I didn't have, you know, the big ego wasn't afraid to learn. Um, And it's really nice to to be in a position now to be able to kind of, you know, pass some of that along. Uh, Some people are more receptive to it than others. And, you know, I think from an employee standpoint, um, it depends, you know, where where the employee is at or where the crew member is at, like in their development. You know, if, if if someone's kind of on a, you know, if they're an A player, I mean, maybe there wouldn't be a whole lot of mentoring. It'd be more of a kind of an equal view kind of thing. But let's stay on top of training and all that. I mean, I'm, you know, my door is always open. Anyone that, that needs to talk to me or wants to talk to me is is willing. You know, I've been a technician. I've been a service advisor. So, I mean, if you want to talk about it, I'll give you my advice. Um I have to admit you know, as a technician, I'm about ten years you know out of date, so I can't really do a whole lot of mentoring you know in, in terms of being a technician um but I'm still willing to you know offer my opinion if you want to call that mentoring if people just want to have somebody to to bounce something off um uh yeah, I think that's definitely you know just having open communication, but I think it really comes back to the culture you know we like to say we don't we don't do a lot of ego here, and I think that's that's a huge part of it. It's the, the person who's lost and won't ask for directions, you know? So we're, we want to be helpful without getting in your way, uh, you know, kind of situation.
0: Dwayne, have you ever just had a chance to sit down with, uh, with, with an employee, a team member, and they, they, they came to you not only for advice to, to, to mentor a uh, personal situations, their, their uh, struggles at work.
3: Absolutely. Uh, of course, you know, it, Unlike I'm sure they have, is, is an open door. If you have an issue, a problem, you come talk to me because home life, family life, personal life, work, it's all the same. It's all mixed together. If you have a problem at home, it's coming to work with you. You know, I, and Unfortunately, if you have a problem, eventually it's, it's going to land on my doorstep. I know this. Um, so if you want to talk, you know, I've had people come into a sum of money from a settlement and they're like, well, what can I do with this, and I'm like, well, let's talk about your retirement. You know, what do you have set aside for the future? You know, we're open, and they want to talk to you because one, you know, the, the respects there. Um, they figured, you know, you're, you're a successful business owner. You they should have, you know, so, some knowledge. So you try to try to help them uh, as much as you can. But really, you just sit and listen to them. It's so important just to take the time to to listen to what their needs are. Um, and as far as mentoring, even. You can be at the bottom, you know, you can be a, a quick loop tech, working your way up, you know, through service uh, as a technician. As long as you want to grow, there's always mentoring that can be done. You know, I have a lot, some ATX and all that want to run shops. And, and that's when I tell them that, you know, we've we got a lot of soft skills to work on now. You know, technicians aren't always known for being for, for their people skills. And, uh, but I've seen some great, great leaders come out of that shop, you know, just by taking the time to teach them how to talk to people.
0: So when when the guy came to you with with a settlement, did you ask him to become a partner and open the fifth shop? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, his stress level already is high. I'm trying to lower it. <laughs> Calm. That, that might have done. That might have done him in. <laughs>
0: I had to take that. I just had to take that. I'm sorry. Um, okay, accommodations. Employee loyalty. You know, Ryan, you were saying earlier that the place has got to be good, look good. Uh, you got to have the right place. Is there anything else besides the strong, you know, on top of the strong environment is that is the accommodations, I'm talking lunchroom, locker room, you know, data room, technology room. Have you seen, heard, are you doing any of
1: that? Well, I was just gonna say, you know, so many buildings are opportunistic, you know, I mean, I've seen so many shops and some of them have a lot of extra space. I mean, we kind of got to take what we can get sometimes. You know, we found an old Saab dealership, which was tremendous, a huge building. So we have a full break room. There was a massage chair that was for the customers. So we yanked that and we put that in the employee room. So that's for the staff. So we have a massage chair. I uh, guess I don't even know how much this thing costs. I'm sure it was real pricey. We also have a flat screen TV, which we just hooked up the other day um, and tried to you know, make that part of our training room. I mean, accommodations, yeah, kitchen, I think is really important for people that want to do their own lunch. We're kind of getting ours in a little bit better shape. Accommodations, like not all shops let people work on their cars after hours, which I think is crazy because they got their tools there um i think you know Dwayne touched on it it's more than just that it's kind of the benefits you know it's like okay there's a comp package and then there's benefits but you know what about the shop itself can i work on my own stuff there do i feel like it's my home is there a place that i can hang out that's undistracted is there a kitchen is the bathroom clean um is there a massage chair uh stuff like that so oh
0: well, the bar
1: has been set <laughs> yeah and, and a lot of shops don't they're just they're tiny and they got a little hole in the wall and I'm, yeah i mean if i got to get my lunch you know i'm 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 eating in my bay or something like that. Even
0: if the shop isn't conducive to all of that, you can still do some things to show that level of care and accommodation. There's still things you can do.
3: If
1: everything else is perfect, there'll always be something missing. I mean, you can pull out a, you know, a fold-up table. We have a little table with an umbrella. We brought it inside in the winter, and it's like we were sitting at this, like, like tiki table with an umbrella inside. It was kind of fun, whatever. Um, and it can be creative.
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way, you just mentioned it. Have fun. Is that a good part of the culture, uh, Jude?
2: It better be. Um, you know, connecting, having fun with what you were just talking about. One of the things I like to do is create what I call it an employee lounge. The ones that I like, uh, and I've helped design a few for clients and things, is it's, it's almost like going into a Starbucks, and it's right inside your building. It's one one of the offices. Um, here we're working on that right now. Actually, we had two offices. I put all of the this stuff is, is in one office. So next door is opened up now, and we're building the employee lounge. It's a place, you know, you put couches in there. You put some of the high, you know, chairs with the stools and that kind of thing. Um, you know, lunch stuff, flat screen. We can use it for training as well, but it's um, it's somewhere where they can have fun and they can actually relax. I mean, I'm I'm a they don't know this yet, but I'm this close to bringing in the foosball table um, and putting it over there you know, so we can have a good time. And, and I, the massage chair, though, that one I had not thought of, I will admit, and I am all over that. That is a brilliant idea just for me. Oh.
1: I didn't buy it. It was already here. Um, uh, I'll buy one. But, I don't care. Those yeah, things yeah. are awesome. Yeah. Um yeah we um on the game idea, um our guys we I paid for a basketball hoop and they put it up on nice. the outside. So that's a pretty easy one if you got a backside of the building and you yeah. guys like to play basketball. Um in the Midwest we have a game called Cornhole. I don't know if you guys know what that is. You throw the <laughs> bags. Um in the winter we'll set that up inside the shop, although it hasn't been used in a while, but it's there. Um so yeah, just adding to, to the We game. just had
3: we just had a cornhole event the other week. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about right now. You'll yep. Google it. You'll be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, Google okay. it. You'll get it. And you go buy it and you guys will start throwing the bags around. Who was who it that mentioned Starbucks? Oh, it was you, Jude. Um, I remember knowing that Starbucks, I believe they call themselves the third place. They, they want to be the third place in your world. home, work. Starbucks because they've they've brought the environment of Starbucks to the point where you just feel so good being there there's i guess they, they figured out the right colors and, and you know the 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 atmosphere to make it work so that that's that's a cool concept cool concept of of having a Starbucks style meeting place or lounge
2: and it really works because the the first client that I ever did that with actually had. Uh, we call it the war room. It's the, the, the great big meeting room where all the owners would sit and we'd strategize everything. And that sort of got adopted as as the lunch room. And I was saying, guys, listen, you can't – this is – it's too mixed. I mean you got guys in here eating cheeseburgers, and we're trying to strategize you know, taking over planet Earth at the same time. So we, we had to – we separated that out. But what we didn't want them to feel was you get the plain white room. You're not important enough. So the employee lounge is actually nicer now of a place to go hang out than – the uh owner's room was so it's extraordinary in there i love it
0: one of the walkaways that i have that i wrote down was that we need to do another show because there's something we really didn't cover and i think if i ask you this question it'll go on for 20 minutes and that is hiring for team dynamics that's a subject that we should really get into in a single show instead of asking it now and i'm more than happy if you all come back say in, you know, in four or five or six weeks, and we'll split this thing up and, and we'll do that. So let me, let me just throw that up as an offer. But my final question to you all in creating good team dynamics is have you shared, and, and Jude, you, I think, mentioned this earlier, any books that you have asked your people to read that you've read together that are part of your book club that help build great team dynamics?
2: That's the one we're currently doing. Um other ones that we do frequently is um Leadership and Self-Deception. That's an incredibly powerful book. <laughs> Emotional Intelligence 2.0. That's a great book. It has an assessment that, that you know you can get it on like audio format for like 8 bucks on Amazon or something ridiculous. If you go buy the assessment it's $40 online, but if you, you get a free assessment with the $8 audio version, so there you go. But we've gone through that um with uh, you know one one of my clients uh, and we do it twice a month. We have a lunch meeting and um, and we go through this section. It's a big book. It's robust. There's a lot of information. It's incredibly helpful. I mean, I'm I'm getting to see, um, you know, people transforming. At, and, the, and the cool thing is, like you mentioned before, wh- when you help somebody at work, you're not just helping them work. You're helping them at home at the same time because they don't just learn this stuff and only apply to work and then go home and still be, you know, a mess. They learn and they grow and they go home and they come back and they share with me hey, guess what happened to me last week? We talked about this, and I went home and this happened, and and, and now it's gotten to the point where they love sharing, they love bringing up you know, the, 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 the things that they're seeing in life that are changing and shifting, and so that's a, another key one. How about uh, you, Ryan, or Duane, you guys got any hot ones?
1: The two standard ones that, that come to mind that I recommend for clients uh, would be uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, it's a classic. <laughs> Um, personal life, work life I mean, if there was one skill in life to master psychology i mean we 're working with people the, the more you understand people, you can relate to them. I think it just benefits everybody um, and then the seven habits of highly effective people um, whether you 're a technician or an advisor or an owner time management 's key and and being yeah. able to like you know manage your time so I mean, there 's so many it 's hard to only pick a couple, but uh, those those two are my, my top
3: standouts. And uh how to win friends and influence people that that uh, ryan has said i i 'm a I coach uh, Dale Carnegie you know i 'm not a teacher, but i 'm one of the coaches've done it for a while and i've i 've been rotating my people through the, through the classes because it just it 's so mind broadening and that book is you can read that once a year and not get any and, and not be a waste of time uh, The other one right now, my business coach mark luderman has uh, Abe 's final masterpiece, which is a lot about uh, development personal development, and about uh Uh, development as far as uh, building relationships and with customers and all. And that's, uh, that's been a good read that I've recommended for my guys.
0: Thank you guys so much. What a, what an enlightening uh, town hall webinar. I I learned a lot and I believe so have, so will our, uh, our industry as they, you know, continue to to watch this over the weekend on Facebook live and, and on uh, on my YouTube channel, remarkable results. Biz slash learning. Thank you so much to Jude Larson, to Dwayne, uh, Myers and Ryan Klo I so appreciate all your great wisdom thanks guys
1: thank you thanks, thank you thanks Jude thanks Dwayne
0: thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast until next time